You're listening to MCMI, a podcast where a cop, musician, IT guy, and a pastor all get together and talk about nerdy things. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to our second episode of MCNI. On tonight's episode, Core Sand, Purple Lightsabers, and Clones. We have everybody here tonight. We have Ben and we have Nick. Unfortunately, Matt could not make it, so you just have the three of us. Ben, Nick, First Impressions, Episode 2. Ben, I'm pretty sure this is your favorite Star Wars. So, what do you think about it? My first impression, my, my short analysis is so much CGI. Ah. That's fair. I, I think that's fair. Well, it's fair because it's true. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I know George Lucas made a big deal with all the Star Wars prequels of using technology and blah, blah, blah. But I, I feel like episode two of the three in the prequel trilogy, episode two is the worst when it comes to that. Like, lays it on pretty heavy, I'll agree. Nick, what's your thoughts? Well, just the the thought about the CGI effects and stuff like that. One of the things that I was um, kind of taken back by, you know, having just recently watched it, is Dex in the diner. Um, I thought the CGI on him was actually really well done. Like, like yeah. probably surpassed even like a Pixar level of like you know animation. Because um, like even this like area under his neck and stuff when he would talk would kind of do that like turkey neck thing or whatever and i thought that was like that was an interesting detail for the and and also uh guado um yeah they you know when when they go to uh tatooine in in the film and he's talking to anakin and he's he's like just realizing like who he is like even there he's got a little bit of a deflated you know kind of turkey neck going it looks more realistic you know the flesh looks like flesh they don't look like these like plastic cgi figures that are just moving around like they did in, in kind of episode one so that's that's my thoughts on the cgi anyways yeah i think when you when you look at like yeah for the time which it was like what i don't know uh 2002 something like that early 2000s when that movie came out i think 2000 um, is when they filmed it oh okay so i mean but you look at it like the opening scene of where uh padme's in that uh hotel room or wherever she's in and the bounty hunter puts the worms in and then, you know, they jumping out and that chase scene is, I mean, that's a pretty cool scene. I mean, of course we look at it now and we're like, look how dumb that looks. But I think for, for 20 years ago, I mean, it's a, it's a great scene. Um, yeah, I think the, yeah. I think the bounty hunter's name was Zan. I, I, I tried to, to rewind that part where, uh, uh, Django actually like speaks with the bounty hunter that's, or the assassin, I guess in this case. And um, did did you all notice that she was a she was a changeling, right? Yeah. yeah. You all noticed that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they they kind of like subtly did that during the the speeder chase. I don't know if you guys remember, right. but like she like turns back to look at Anakin, and you see a little bit of like transformation on the yeah neck. the little like yeah the wrinkles in in the face for the change. I don't know what the actual race is. Maybe they're actually called changelings. I don't know. But um, one thing that really struck me about that scene is like when they finally, you know, the acrobatics aside, <laughs> that's amazing. But yeah. uh, what I was going to say is like when they crash land on the, the ground floor, or I'm assuming what's the ground floor of Coruscant, um, and they go into the bar, why doesn't the changeling 
change just its face. Like, just you know, you're an assassin. You're Obi Wan is not your target. Why are you gonna pull a gun on a Jedi and try to like take him out from my? This just like that's when I started to like cock my head to the side. I'm like, really? That doesn't. To me, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't does not compute. Well, what see, and my problem that with scene? that scene is all, it was this big chase, and then when they finally get to that bar, for whatever reason, apparently they're definitely going to corner the assassin in the bar because there's not mm. extra exits or windows or ways. Like Obi Wan's like, I'm mm. going to go have a drink. You find the assassin. Like it turned from this high energy thing to like almost a like comical yeah. setup. It it was a little weird for the fact that. I mean, Obi-Wan literally broke through a window and jumped onto that thing and went through all of this danger just to land and go, I'm going to go get a drink. And it's like, man, that's kind of kind of a little casual, isn't it? Considering that you're, you're chasing a guy who just tried to kill the woman you're supposed to watch. I also think it's odd that both of them were like, oh, this thing tried to kill Padme. Let's leave her here by herself while we go chase it. And it's like, what if it was just like a <laughs> decoy and now she's That's... just got smurdered by a beam rifle or something like that? And which, that is a looking back, n- now that I think about it now, clearly Boba Fett was watching that whole thing or major parts of it. If they really wanted to kill Padme, he had to have seen all that stuff happen. And then why didn't he just like, oh, OK, well, if they're both here, she's by herself. I'm going to get her. Right, because I wasn't there. Okay, leaving the dart in the in the assassin's neck, he could have used that same dart in Padme's neck. Like he's not worried about getting caught. Yeah, because he used something that linked him directly where he lived. So I but, think another thing to another thing to keep in mind though is that after like they were alerted to the assassin the, the assassination attempt on Padme. Um, or should I be referring to her as Senator Amidala at that point? I don't know. Um, no, since she switched roles. We'll go with Pat. Since she, she switched roles. She went from Queen Amidala to, which, can we talk about that for like a second, like later, like the whole, how, how the political system works on, because when I saw that there was works. a queen, what's that? You said works. Yeah. Well, yeah. In quotation marks, Ben's doing it but um <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't understand that but to go back to like the room like r2d2 clearly like he sensed some kind of motion when when those uh, centipede things were in the room what i don't get though is when he came out of like power saver mode or whatever he was in and he just lights up this little like spotlight th- th- to go across the room and i just think it's weird because it's like as advanced as R2 is, you're telling me he doesn't have a module for, like, infrared motion sensing or no. so, something, you know? If where you he can have, detect a heat signature? Have, I'm sure those things had heat signatures, you know? Listen, if you're referring to R2-D2, the, uh, the droid that literally had everything for every locking mechanism and every situation he was ever put in, I guarantee mm. you he had something like that. There's oil on, on the floor? Let me get some blasters and shoot up in the oh, air. Okay. This door's locked? Let me put my finger in it and unlock it. Like, but he had it here, for everything. Here's the thing. He could have, like, a, uh, I think in the in the um, Star Wars universe, I know in the RPG for Star Wars, they, they call it slicing. It's the same as hacking. Like, when you hack a computer or something like that. They call it slicing in the Star Wars universe. But anyways, 
Um, I, it's possible that R2 may have like a, a, I don't know, like a level five slicing module. And he just got the, like this, a USB type, you know, interface that he can just basically interface with any kind of like serial type connection in the Star Wars galaxy. It's just like a universal nice. port, just like we have USB. Granted, they come in various different like formats. You got USB-C and A, B and, you know, mini. But uh, but I digress. Yeah, I think, you know, he's proven that he is a very capable droid. And I just it surprised me that like he was meant to stand guard over her and there were these like little motion sensors that were going across the floor right but for some reason he just had this little spotlight just this little thing to scan the entire room you know hey that's how he rolls man uh, yeah literally it is it's called manufacturing uh the scene so there's tension that's not really there and so that's how George Lucas decided to make it tense was to make R2 not be able to do what he probably should be able to do. Uh, Yeah, that's a good point. Um, So speaking of standing guard, let's, let's move on a little bit to the movie to probably one of the more cringeworthy moments of the entire movie. I'm going to go ahead and uh, say this is probably Ben's favorite part of the whole movie. You know, Anakin gets on his first solo mission where he is now guarding the senator, right? Padme. And being the disrespectful little turd that he is, um, you know, he, he gets there and he starts by walking with her. And he's like, this is my first assignment. I'm so excited. She gets around all her other people and she goes, this is what I think that we should do. And then he goes, excuse me, I'm in charge of security. And she goes... Uh, listen, little boy, I know this planet. I'm basically going to tell you where we're going to go. And then he goes, are you right? So he's literally like, no help. And then you get to the the most awkward, like I said earlier, cringeworthy scene where you just go, ugh, like what is happening? Is where they're laying in this, and they're, they're standing there talking. And she goes, I used to love playing here when I was a little girl in the sand and I don't like sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. What? That's the weirdest, like, most disturbing scene to me. It's like, I can't, st- uh, it, it's, I don't know if it's his acting, if it's the character, if it's the fact that five minutes after that, she's like, you've changed so much, Annie. And he's like, I remember you every day. And it's like, bro, you saw her like 10 times 10 years ago and you're obsessed with her. It's creepy. You are so weird. Well, not any more than, than she was creepy before she, you know, they stopped seeing each other 10 years ago. When she when he was a kid, literally, and she was okay, like putting I, off these really inappropriate vibes for how young he was. I think she was a 14-year-old girl going, hey, you're kind of cool. And then now he is 19, and now he's going, hey, I still remember all those cool talks that we had. Like, it's just <laughs> creepy. Well, so It's like he works for Wayfair. <laughs> so here's my problem with the whole the whole romance thing and and that scene i think is the first time where we really really notice it why is she wearing yep. these seductive dresses when they're out hiding and she's the one that like when they're at the fireplace after dinner that's like i'm a senator i can't be in love with you which also makes no sense but like why would you why would you 
I mean, she's in like a backless dress on that whole sand line. Uh, and so Listen, I think that's I'm going to I'm going to tell you why. Because when you got it, you got it. That's why. <laughs> and Padme, she got it. But she doesn't dress like that on Coruscant. Well, of course. She's at home. She's going to let her hair down. She's at home, dude. Like, Naboo is her home world. Like, but when I'm like at when home, you come I don't home, dress you... sexy for myself. Okay, all right. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe in a, in a galaxy far, far away, long ago, you know, their standards for leisure clothing were a little bit different. But all it's doing is setting up for him to, like, trace her back and shoulder and arm as he's saying this awkward dialogue. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little taken back when that happened. When he started <laughs> tracing her back, I'm like, "Whoa, bro! She's like pretty much like told you off like in every scene up until this point. So where are you coming off like touching her like that? Like seriously? I'll tell you why. Because he's using his. He's probably standing there going like this, wiggling his fingers, going, "You want me to tickle your back?" And she's like, "I want you to tickle my back." Like he's using <laughs> his Jedi powers to manipulate her. I would have liked that scene more than what they shot. Right, right. Can we? But can we really talk about like that? That was probably the most awkward, like uh, first kiss scene that I've ever seen in a film ever. Like I will tell you, to me in that movie, the only thing that is more awkward than that is the scene where in episode, it's an episode. I'm drawing blank. Is it two or three where uh, Anakin goes and kills all the Sand people? That that's two. That's the same. That's it's the two, one we're yeah. talking about. When like when his when, yeah. Well, so when his mom is like Anakin, eh, 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 and then like that's so funny. I know a death scene should be way more intense, and that's like part of the reason why he got pushed to the dark side was his fear of death. Mm-hmm. But that scene when she's just like, eh, 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 it looks like when Jabba the Hutt dies, and he's like, ah. Uh, and his tongue's still sticking out like that's what she does. Chris, and it's just Chris you are horrible. Ah, that, that's horrible. Why would you say that? But it's true. And you both know it's true. <laughs> and it's it's the truth. <laughs> well, also, yeah, was... to go on that little tangent, why couldn't they have ever gone back and freed her? Why couldn't they ever have gotten the money that Wada would have wanted that would have been worth a slave? Like, why did she just get left in slavery for the past 10 years? Yeah. Well, I, I think in defense of the Jedi Council, um, and this kind of goes back to, like, their whole tradition in terms of recruiting Jedi or young Padawan learners, uh, Force-sensitives, excuse me, um, is they had this whole recruiting process. They have to be a certain age. Um, they have to um, not be attached to family or, or friends. They have to have no like real past connections to draw upon. And, and because Anakin kind of breaks the mold for what we would normally consider a young Padawan learner, an up-and-coming Jedi, is he was already too old to, to, to you know, start learning the ways of a Jedi, but also he, he, his mom was still alive and he had vivid memories of, of living with her as a slave yeah. on Tatooine. He understood, you know, all the corruption that was, you know, even though it was normalized for him because that's how he grew up. Um, 
you know, he's still now he's got a taste of like, oh, this is what the Republic is. This is what law and order is. This is this is what's good. This is what's right in the in the universe, not just, you know, his world, but like it completely changed how he looked at everything. And you can see that struggle, too, on uh, on Anakin when he is there and he's talking about how remorseful he was in front of Padme when he admits he's like, I killed them all. You know, I killed you know, not just the, the men, but the women and the, and the children. And the children. Uh, fun, fun fact. I don't know if you guys know this. I actually found this out uh, probably a couple of months ago. But um, it's a common misconception that the Tusken Raiders or the, the Sand People, um, they are, you know, it's told in the films that they're, they're not human. Right. There's constant references to that. But actually, the majority of them are. And they're actually very much like the um, the Mandalorians in that they're not a race there. It's a way of life. Right. So they're here in 2020. We call that homeless. (laughs) They definitely dress the part. That's for sure. But uh, I just thought that was a cool little factoid. I wasn't sure if you guys were aware or not. So going off of that, I find it odd that, you know, Anakin clearly shows that throughout throughout his, definitely as with his tenure with Obi-Wan, that uh, he really doesn't follow the rules. He kind of does what he wants and then just deals with whatever consequences happen. So he had a strict order, hey, stay here, go to Naboo, watch uh, Padme. He goes, okay. And then while he's there, he goes, ah, for the first time since I've been gone, my mom needs me. Instead of... I don't know, ever going to there for whatever reason ever again. Clearly, I mean, it just shows in Star Wars time lapse that you can just uh, basically fast travel to every place. Um, so I don't think like time or distance was there was was the issue. It's just, I think really, it's honestly, it's just he forgot about her until he started going, oh, wait, I need her. Uh, uh, you know, something's wrong. And then he decides to go back. But then while he's there, after he schmurders all those people, then after that, he goes, uh, I can't remember exactly what happened, but the Jedi's, or he was going to go do something. He says, I can't. The Jedi Council says we need to do this, or we need to stay here. And it's like, now you're going to follow directions? Like, you've already disobeyed. I just don't understand why why he couldn't have went and visited his mother or or gone to see her when he clearly doesn't care about the whole uh, no distraction, you know, like, or like, what's he telling her? Like, we can't have affection. We can't have possession and stuff like that. Like, and I get that his mom is, is, would fall into that category, but clearly by how he acts towards Padme and the simple fact that he does go to his mom when she's, when he senses that she's in trouble, like, you're going to tell me that's the first time he's ever sensed that anything was wrong with her. Like in all of those years that he didn't just go like, man, I should probably go see her. Well, also... Because he did have those memories of her, like you said. Yeah. Well, but also, let's take it one step back from that. Qui-Gon was going to free both of them. Like, it yeah. was never not the plan to have her stay on Tatooine from the Jedi perspective. And then they make such a big deal in episode one. You know, Yoda makes a big deal about, like, oh, you have worry about your mother you are, and all that stuff. And so it doesn't make... I don't think after ten years the Jedi brainwashed him to the point where he was like, yeah, she's not important. And then like you're saying, Chris, suddenly she shows up on his force radar when she's about to die. That's why I, I, it just doesn't make any sense. Like as disobedient and as 
as just such a as a rebellious person as Anakin is, because you can see all the time where you know he loses his lightsaber or he Obi Wan tells him not to do this and he does literally just whatever he wants, and as long as it fits within his moral code, uh, you I mean he just doesn't care. So I just don't understand how. All of those travels. And it's not like Jedi are like, hey, listen, we told you to go to Coruscant. You go to Coruscant. You don't go any other place. Because they, I mean, they literally, the Jedi can do whatever they want if they can explain themselves to anybody. You know what I mean? Because instead of going to Coruscant, where'd they go? They went to uh, Anakin's planet. Um, Tatooine, right? Yeah, they go there. Because it, it, for, you know, it's super far out of the way. And they just go there. Um, when Anakin, or when Obi-Wan goes to Kamino, like, I mean, they're literally like, oh, it's in this sector, and, and this is where the gravity's pulling, but there's no, there's no thing there, and then he goes, oh, Yoda just goes, oh, well, go there, you'll find your planet, so it's not like, uh, traveling is an issue, or anything like that, it's just like, I think, honestly, it was just like, out of sight, out of mind, didn't care, until he cared, you know what I mean? No, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, like, he didn't care until she was about to die. You know what I mean? But that doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense, but that's what happened. I know. Well. I, I well. think he was probably trying to overcome the fact that he was so different of a, of a young Padawan learner. And, and even when Maybe. we see him, I mean, keep in mind, like... He went from being a force sensitive. We don't know how long he was in training for, but like, well, because we never get to see that in the movie because that would ten, be too boring, right? But ten years later, and he's still uh, learning from Obi Wan. You know, he he's not a Jedi yet, so I don't know how long. Uh, you know, what's like normal for from you know being an indoctrinated force sensitive pupil to like what they try to ex- expel it psychologically from them to make them more resistant to those feelings of temptation about like caring too much about any one person or uh, po- like, you know, possessions and stuff like that. They probably, they don't live impoverished lives, but very vagrant lives. I'm sure like, you know, yeah, their basic needs are met, but this, they, I don't know. It's, you, and you take that all in, in context and then you look at like where we see him and we see him as just this kind of like upstart still. He's still kind of, I wouldn't say maybe not as I wouldn't describe kid Anakin as arrogant, but like this, this new Anakin that we're getting to know for the first time, he does come off as very arrogant, but kid you know, Anakin is a gym. Yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, I, I think the transition, watching him very quickly within the, the film, watching him transition from this kind of upstart, uh, bratty, arrogant teenager, young man, whatever, um, to this very, like, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go a direction where we've got to edit this like three times to get it right. But like this kind of more sexualized version of Anakin that we've not seen yet. He's like trying to pursue Padme legitimately. And he's obviously showing feelings that he's not supposed to have, but he has them anyways. And I think 
for the time that this movie also came out, it was a lot of people were identifying with Anna Kenton. Um, in this terms of like self discovery, it's like, well, I shouldn't feel this way, but I do, and it was just uh, he was he was kind of like a straw man figure in the film at that point because it's like you had pl- you had enough reason to not like him, especially knowing if you'd see the the you know um, the episodes f- four through six, if you'd seen those already and you weren't new to Star Wars, you already knew Anakin's going to become spoiler alert. He's going to become Darth Vader. So you already have enough reason not <laughs> you already what? have enough reason not to like this guy. But then <laughs> they they cast him with like the most annoying actor imaginable. Yes. And I'm just like I'm not trying to nitpick this film like to pieces, but it doesn't have a whole lot going for it in my book. Um, I would, I, I'll just end would, with uh, the only the only thing that I really enjoyed about this film was the fact that you got to see CGI on a level. Although, albeit it it was budget CGI, maybe not for the time, but like it didn't really stand the test of time, like Jurassic Park did, for example, the first Jurassic yeah, Park. Yeah, I agree. Did. But like, you got to see it on a scale that we'd never seen before. Like they literally created entire worlds on a green screen, like. Um, uh, film studio, and I'm just like, wow, this is this well, is crazy. See, and that's so that's actually my complaint about the CGI. I actually don't mind the characters or like space scenes or whatever, but it's it's real people inside a video game, and they shoot every shot where it's two people walk or a group of people walk into frame. It does a close up of the people's faces who are talking left and right. And then it's another wide shot of them leaving the frame. And that is every scene that's not, like, a fighting scene. Any any dialogue outside of Padme and Anakin's awkward stuff. You know what's funny about that, Ben, is I recall playing a couple Mortal Kombat games back in the day where they did <laughs> that exact same thing. They would, the, the cut scenes or whatever that you would get after you've, like, defeated like one of your foes or whatever, and you get to the next battle, you would get this little mini cutscene, and it would be with like real actors, but it would be in this green screen studio. And it was very distracting. You could tell it was like something was off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the problem with CGI. I mean, the other thing is just, it's also, and again, this is a matter of preference, but like the fight scenes are so dense. They're so full. Like you think about the very end of the movie, where you've got the clone troopers coming in for the first time, you've got a million Jedi, and and all this stuff is happening, and you can't even like tell what's happening because there's just a million laser blasts and lightsabers, and you can't even enjoy the fight because you're just like, and then you have the weird like forced, you know, three PO joke, which is the same joke from Empire Strikes Back, so they already made that joke. Again, nostalgia. So speaking of that, we already got let's let's move forward on that since you kind of brought it up. We know that Obi-Wan finds that hidden planet that he couldn't figure out where it was at, but a youngling was able to show him. The one sidebar I have to say, I know you said something else was my least favorite. My least favorite part about the Clone Wars is the stupid scene with the kids, the younglings, who are being trained with blast shields oh. and the little uh target droids. In episode four, Obi-Wan uses what he has to try and help Luke learn something. Lucas, George Lucas, not realizing 
how brilliant that actually was, decided to say, oh, this is a Jedi training. And, and retcon now that episode four is legitimate training from Obi-Wan to Luke as a real Jedi training thing, instead of it just being like, we're in a ship and I'm just trying to like help you feel out the Force, now it's some weird like thing that's a Jedi tool. And I hate it so much. Well, if it makes you... F- I was going to say, if it makes you feel any better, you see it about three more times, I think. So... <laughs> Uh, well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you got that off your chest. I know that uh, that bugs you quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Obi Wan finds the planet that he couldn't find. Yet the little boy that was there was like, "Yeah, somebody deleted it. It's definitely still there, but somebody deleted that planet." And he's like, "How could that have possibly happened?" Okay, but then they go to Camino, and. Uh, you know, the the big, tall alien creatures are like, oh, Jedi Master, we've been waiting for you. We have your order from Master Sifidephus, I think was his name. And he's like, oh, that guy's died like 10 years ago. And they're like, oh, okay, well, here's your 200,000 uh, clone army with a million more oh, ready oh. to go. Uh, yeah, well, was it uh, like 200,000? I thought it was like a million. No, it, they said, I think it. they were like, we have like 230,000 like ready with another million to follow. Oh, okay. So, but, you know, so that's where we get our establishment of the clones, which, who, it, it was Dooku that was really behind all that, right? Uh, they, say, they said the code name or, or whatever for their contact was uh, um, Master Tyrannus. Sy- I don't remember. Oh, no, no. That's when uh, Obi-Wan talks to Jango yeah. Fett in, like, in person. And he says, um, never heard of Sifo-Dyas, but, uh, you know, I was contacted by a man called uh, Tyrannus or something like that. Yeah. Either way, we know that the, the Sith are, are behind it. It's, you know, Palpatine and his, it's his grand scheme of things that are going to happen. I um, think I think that may actually be... Um, um, Count Dooku's like actual Sith name. Yeah, Tyrannus. I may be wrong, but you could be. But I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm sure somebody knows. But so then we get to see a very awkward, uh, like fight scene between uh, Jango Fett and uh, Obi Wan, which ends then on a uh, another awkward. ship battle where Obi-Wan's flying, but then we get to the end of the movie where the uh, Obi-Wan gets captured, Anakin gets captured, Padme gets captured, and they're all in that big arena where they're fixing to fight, or they're fixing to be killed. Uh, I guess they all forgot how to use the Force, uh, Padme was the only one that was strong enough to be able to climb up, even though, you know, Anakin and, uh, Obi-Wan can jump like 50 feet. She was the only one that was able to get to the top. And then we, that's, that's true. Only when it's convenient for the Jedi. Um, and then we get to the, to the, to the scene where they're all fixing to die. And then, uh, you know, Dooku goes with that, uh, or Mace Windu shows up purple lightsaber 
which mm-hmm. always bugs me that, like, why do you have a purple lightsaber? I mean, really, I'm sure they can come up and say, like, oh, it's because his crystal was in the mind of a Sarlacc pit, and he did it, like, no, he did it because Samuel L. Jackson wanted a purple lightsaber, but I digress, and then we get the, we get the clones, and what is, what, so we get there, that's where we're at, end of the movie, uh, or almost to the end of the movie, what is your thoughts of that scene? Ben, I know you kind of already touched on that, you said it's, it's too much going on at one time. It's visually a mess. Yeah, I do, you know, and I, I think it's a pretty cool moment because then you get to see, you know, like the whole time you only get to see all of the Jedi, like on really just on like two occasions. In three, you get to see it on Order 66 when they're all getting schmurdered, but then you also get to see it in this Clone War battle where it's just like ships of Jedi get dropped in and, which I think is a cool scene, but I do agree. There's just too much going on at one time and... I do, one of my favorite parts is, and I don't know who it is, and I actually read it on a website where it's one of the first Jedi jumps down and sees Dooku, and I think it's uh, Jango Fett that just, like, shoots him. He's like, ha-ha, he jumps down and then goes, pew, and then takes a bullet to the chest, and then he's done. And it's like, what a waste that guy was. Yeah. But I think this, the scene itself is really, could have been really, really cool, but I think it's just too much going on at one time. I think that's something that we saw with movies after this, too, is that they had the opportunity to really draw out some of these scenes, but they ran out of, I don't know, film time or whatever, and they didn't want to do an extended cut of the of the movie, so instead what they did is they're like, okay, just, like, do this scene, but, like, in fast-forward. And so we... We basically see that that is actually a theme that you can track all throughout the early 2000s and even into the the um, 2010s. Um, you can you can see that like a, another example, although it's off topic, is uh, uh, Superman versus Batman. You know that movie was so so sped up that you know if you walked away for five minutes, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even know what was happening. But I digress. Um, one of the things that I think we kind of glossed over, though, or two of the things that I really wanted to talk about real quick. Um, Jar Jar being a senator, a stand-in representative for uh, Senator Amidala, uh, he was kind of this puppet. He was in the room when they were talking about, oh, if if only Senator Amidala were here, you know, we could we could propose... We could propose this, you know, they totally took advantage of him and his simplistic mind. Which, there's two really great things about that. There's the, mm-hmm. if Jar Jar's really a Sith Lord, then... Oh, great. Here oh, we go here we again go. with the Jar Jar <laughs> Sith Lord. I'm just saying, it, 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 it's, it makes a lot of sense. But then the other side of that is, I've seen a cut of that scene that you're talking about, Nick, where they add a laugh track. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Because that's, that's exactly what happens. Like, oh, if only Senator Amidala were here. And then you hear like the, <laughs> from like the audience. Like, I'll have to find a link and send it to both of you. Because it is hysterical. Because, again, there, there are these like awkward gaps. And like, Jar, I mean, yeah. Jar Jar is Jar Jar. And so he's just sort of like making awkward faces. Yeah, and then. And also, apparently and anyone That's can something I would love to see. Though, as a senator. If you could send me a link for that. Yeah, I, oh, I definitely will. It also doesn't make sense that how come how come Jar Jar is now suddenly surrogate senator? Like you're right that the space politics make absolutely no sense. Well, 
No. Well, I, I don't know the, the progression, but we know that there was a 10-year period between the victory uh, at, on Naboo, which he was a... I'm sarcastic when I say this, but he was an integral part to that victory, and he was a general at the time. <laughs> but get but out like, of here. But like, I mean, there was a ten-year period after that, and that's not uncommon for people to go from having a military service record to then serving in the Senate or some something like that. So yeah, but I defy you to name one person that went from no military experience at all to a very high part in the government. Uh, I'm not going to touch that right now, but that was a Trump joke. <laughs> I think that's pretty loaded. That was a rhetorical statement uh, if I've ever heard. Yeah, uh, you can edit. You can edit that out if we need to. <laughs> um, but he's not Senator Jar Jar Binks until Queen Amidala is not Senator. Correct. He's acting Senator. He's he's actually a, a, a Senate representative somehow, or he's like a a backup. Look, um, you guys, Naboo or something like that. <clears throat> You guys are trying to make sense of the fact of how why, how and why Jar Jar Binks is in the position that he is when you're forgetting about the fact that this is the same planet that was like, guys, listen, we know who needs to be our leader. And it's this 14-year-old girl over here. Right. That's who needs to be in charge of us. So to try to even figure out why this happened except, is just nonsense. Well, except she's a queen, except it's an elected queen. So then that doesn't make any sense either. Like, I could be behind a 14-year-old queen because of how, like, monarchies work. Yeah, but no, that's what I'm saying. The planet was just like, she's the one. That's what, and she was that's like, what I was thinking. That, but because of the titles they're throwing around about queen and princess and, and all of that, I had the understanding that, you know, because we have, a, you know, a queen for the, the UK, or I say we, I mean, you know, here on Earth, we have an oligarchy in the UK, and that's how I associated the, the term queen. I mean, maybe I'm misunderstanding the English language here, but my understanding is queen is usually synonymous with there being some kind of oligarchic, uh, you know, hierarchy of people. And I just figured that she was queen, even though she was super young, she wasn't like of age to be queen. Uh, You're I mean, thinking like was, a... Was like she a princess like a, in the first movie? Was that... Did no. I miss that? It was Queen okay. Amidala. It was Queen Amidala. So you're going, you're, you're going... Nick, two things. One, I like the fact that you had to uh, let us know that you were referring to a queen that was here on Earth. <laughs> second, uh, you're going with the fact that she was... Like, you're saying, like, maybe, like, a parent died and now she's here. Because you never hear about, like, her fa- her family or anything like that. It's, besides that they true. used to frolic on the beach. So maybe that, that's what it was. All right. Mm-hmm. Enough about Padme because she's terrible. Oh, well, I was okay. going to say, um, you also know that she's followed by death because everyone around her dies. Oh. Well, that's true. <laughs> All right. Ben, yeah, including... way, to, way to open those, those, you know, rabbit holes up, man. Just Also... Well, we were talking about... You're Jar-Jar. 100%... You're 100% right because, and I think it's so funny that the one person who's supposed to die for her, the one who is pretending to be her, who's supposed to, you know, take a bullet for her, goes, I'm sorry, I let you down. And then she goes, it's okay, you didn't. It's like you literally did the one thing you're supposed to do. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. That's the very beginning of the movie. Well, how how did she die? Like, there's no blood. She's barely charred. Internal bleeding, hey. probably. <laughs> Internal bleeding. But it's another really awkward death scene where she's just like, I failed you, Senator. And then she's just like, I'm dead. Like, was, hey. Wait, was this before Disney's acquisition of the Star Wars franchise? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh yeah, okay. way before. They they must have known like way in advance then that this they were going to sell this franchise at some point, and they're like, well, let's keep it as PG as possible, guys. Come on. Yeah, well, we have Anakin creep all over Padme's back. Uh, yeah, we don't want there uh, to be too much blood, but we do want touching. Okay, let's not go back into that. We've already discussed it. He's a creep. She's a weirdo. We yeah. get it. All right, Can fight we make scene. it any more obvious? End of it. Okay, that was an awesome Avril Lavigne <laughs> joke, but we're not. We're talking about Star Wars, Ben, not Skater Boy. Oh, All right, Vader Boy. So, you're killing it. So we get to the end. We see the awkward fight scene of the the thousand people fighting. Um, like I said, it is cool to see all the Jedi there because you really, you ever really only get to see two or three Jedi at a time outside of the council and the younglings. So to be able to see all of them there fighting each other, I do get to finally see a, a random force push when, uh, the Jedi pushes, uh, C-3PO, which doesn't make any sense that it's C-3PO's body in the robot's head, right? And it's, yeah, it's just... Doesn't make any sense. It's a little weird. I, but I, I thought that get part to see was my... weird too. It was like, how does he yeah. exist in two places at once? Like the same personality. Ex- I was like, yeah. You there must have been a the... copy of his personality in his body and in his head. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but you, I finally do get to see my force push, which is pretty effective. Ask uh, Ask Obi Wan when he gets uh, force pushed into that pit by Darth Maul. Anyway, speaking of Sith lords. Um, I think that we get to the, you know, we get to that scene and we finally get to see Count Dooku do, you know, put a hurting on old, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan. And Which also has force pushing in it. But it's from the it's bad guy. incredible. That doesn't matter. Yeah, but you, that just shows you that it's effective. Basically what I'm saying is, is I'm a Sith. That's what I'm getting to. But I think another thing that's a little odd that, you know, you... I wish that something they would have touched on a little more now that we know that, you know, we learned in episode one that the Sith are, the Sith are back, um, you know, and then they made a, such a point to say that they made it such a point to say always two, you know, so we don't know in re- reference to Darth Maul, you know, Yoda says we don't know if this is the apprentice or the master. And so obviously they're referring to Palpatine. And then here we are a couple movies or a couple years later, and now all of a sudden, you know, you don't really hear the the Jedi Council or anything. Really, the whole movie, they don't really bring up outside of, uh, I think they say Dooku's name a couple times, but they never bring up, like, the Sith again. Like, we got to figure out who these Siths are or blah, 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 blah. But then out of nowhere, like, Dooku's just there. So I wonder if in, within that 10-year period... Dooku went from being a Jedi to the dark side, or if he had been there the whole time, like they don't really touch on that, which I wish they would have. No, I think if you're looking for a more in-depth analysis on Dooku, you need to not look in the, um, the films themselves. Um, because they don't really, they don't really go into any of the character development for, anybody that's featured in the films let's be honest yeah i feel like he's kind of a wasted character <laughs> oh for sure especially because he was he was uh, cast by christopher lee you know it, yeah who gives magnificent performances no matter what he plays he was and, lord of the rings guy wasn't he yes saruman yes 
He uh, also <laughs> sings with like a death metal band. What? Yeah. Oh, oh no, you're gonna have to send me a link for that. I have to. That's oh. that's. Not anymore. That's he it. doesn't because he's deceased. Yeah. But, okay. Spoiler alert, everybody. If you didn't know, Christopher Lee passed away. What'd but, you say? Um, <laughs> I said he was too close to Padme. Uh yeah. Well, she did shoot at his ship as he left, right? That's like the end of the oh. movie. Oh, yeah. When Did you see the horrible, uh, going back to terrible CGI, it actually cracks me up to every time I watch it. The scene, like, she falls out of the ship and that, uh, that clone trooper falls out with her. And she goes, you know, randomly, they're in the middle of nowhere. And she goes, come on, this way, on a planet that she's not familiar with. And she's like, this way. And she does, like, the most awkward, like, Baywatch fast run. Right. That always makes me, uh, giggle. On a positive note, though, if I can just say another really cool uh, scene that I liked, uh, just real quick, is the chase scene the uh, above or, or in orbit of Geonosis uh, in the asteroid field between the fire spray and the, I believe it's the A-wing that uh, Obi-Wan uh, see, was I didn't care. I didn't care too much about that. I, I loved it because I, I watched it uh, recently and I was like, Man, they did a really good job with the fire spray, like just barraging the 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 fire. Uh, I couldn't even see Obi Wan's like A wing navigating, uh, you know, out of the way of the fire. And the cool thing was, it was almost like anti aircraft fire. Like it was short range enough to like detonate around or in proximity to, which I thought was really. Cool. I'm not sure if that's like intentional for those laser blasts to do that. If that's how they normally behave. Or if it's like a modified uh, fire spray or something like that. But I just thought that that whole scene was really cool. I'm like, you never really get to see the fire spray in action. But this was a clear-cut instance of like, well, if, if, you know, their aiming systems or targeting systems were any better or their actual aim was better, you know, they might have had a chance to to take Obi-Wan out right then and there. I think the reason why I don't really care for that scene is probably the, the, the dialogue in it. I think ruins it for me. Like, you know, Obi-Wan, they, they, what Jango Fett sees as he, he destroyed Obi-Wan's ship. And then he goes, we won't be seen from him again. And then the very next scene is that asteroid turning and his little ship just parked there. And he's like, ha gotcha. Like, so that kind of just kind of threw me off to it. Well, but, and it's yet another instance of stealing from the original trilogy. Because that's what happens with the Millennium Falcon in yeah, the asteroid yeah. chase in the second of that trilogy. Yeah. Because as George Lucas said, it's like poetry. The movies rhyme. Yeah. And they also repeat themselves a bunch. So here we are. We're 45 minutes in. Let's go ahead and get to what are some, we did this last week and now let's do, uh, Favorite character, least favorite character, and then a total score. What you uh, a blank out of ten? Now keep in mind we're talking about the whole movie from the the chase scenes in the beginning to Anakin getting his arm chopped off, which was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. To be honest with you, just because it's like, haha, you won't be touching Padme's back with that hand anymore. Oh man, yeah, creep. <laughs> I think. I think my least favorite in in this film was um I I think it was it would actually be Palpatine. 
Uh, and the reason, yeah, the reason being is mm, because interesting. He well, I feel like he he took a more passive role in this this film. Like we we did get to see him, and we got to see him kind of working in the background a little bit, but a little bit more like obvious about it. Um, but I don't I don't really recall that we got a whole lot of um, moments of him like talking to Anakin yet, or um, we didn't get any instances of him like in his dark robe look where he's making like secret phone calls across the gal. You know what I mean? We didn't get yeah. that, um, th- that ambiance. So in, in my opinion, he was probably my least favorite just because it wasn't true to form for what we know as, as Palpatine, the, the dark Lord. And then my, I think my favorite in this film was probably Obi-Wan because he put Anakin in his place like every chance he got. Yeah. He's like, listen here, my young Padawan, you know? So. I agree. Ben? See, that's funny because I was going to say my favorite character is Palpatine in the movie because mm. he doesn't, you see, cause, that's the, well, because he, he is doing all this conniving, I think the turning point for him where he becomes more of that Dark Lord is after he gets attacked by the Jedi and gets the his own energy reflected at him, and he has the first instance in his life of real fear that he's going to lose power or stature or whatever, or be found out, right? Because it's a problem. What scene are you talking about? Is it... Is, oh, no, that's, yeah, that's in the third one. That's in, in the third one. You just confused the crap out of me. Sorry, but it, but yeah. still, that's the turning point. So anything before that is, there, there's, it's a lot more of a gray area because he is still playing the game as well as he's being still playing the puppet the good master. Guy. Right. And so he's setting up, you know, the Separatists. He's setting up the Trade Federation. He's setting up these things and sort of letting them get out of control so that when he finally does eventually take on the mantle of emperor it's that's where we get the pure evil guy and so i like i like that they don't ruin him in this movie by making him do a bunch of weird stuff all right so favorite character no that's my favorite character oh i'm sorry least least favorite character i'm sorry um i mean it's I'm going to have to go with Padme, which is a close, a close second to Anakin, but only because it absolutely makes no sense to me why a senator can't be in love with somebody. Because she doesn't say, I can't be in love with you. She doesn't say, I can't be in love with the Jedi. She just says, like, this isn't allowed for me. This isn't... So, is it her own personal whatever? It just... It, it cre- it's a manufactured tension again. She's just a... She's worthless. Which also doesn't make any sense if you think about it, because at the end of episode three, Senator Organa says, my wife and I will take her. So why is the senator not allowed to love, but he is? Well, right, that's you know what I'm saying. saying. It's, it's arbitrary. Uh, so it's just, or or it, it comes off arbitrary because of the way it's presented. Yeah. Oh, Nick, we forgot. Scale of one to ten. Scale one to ten what? On the movie. Ten being awesome movie. It's the best I've ever seen. And then one uh. being episode one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Last week, episode one got a total of five was the score. Was five was the average. Okay. The average. So rating. what do you got? 
Uh, for this one, I thought they actually stepped it up a bit, not just with the uh, the video effects and all of that, but or the special effects, I should say. Um, but I, I think we actually got to know more about the intent and the modus operandi of a lot of the characters we are later going to, in episode three, we're kind of going to fall more in love with or grow to hate more. Um, so I will actually give this, I'm not sure what I rated, um, episode one, but, um, I would definitely give episode two a solid seven. Oh, wow. Nobody gave episode one a seven. I can tell you that. <laughs> ben? Two. Two? Because they wow. talk about a bunch of cool things. They don't do cool. That you never get to see. That's yeah, my I, biggest complaint about the movie. You got to see the clone army. You got to see them be activated in serve, like in the same. But I'm talking about the characters. The clone army is not characters. Anakin and, oh. and Obi Wan talk about all the cool things they did, but the only thing we see is that weird chase oh. scene that doesn't make sense, right? Padme talks about her wonderful life on Naboo, and then gets talked about with saying like, they talk a lot about things that don't get seen I, on screen. I will. I will give you that. That annoyed me to no end. Is the part where. <laughs> Anakin and Obi-Wan had this very annoying thing where they go back and forth like, oh, not again. I hate when he does that. And it was just like, really? What are you guys talking about? How many times could you be in this situation? <laughs> A lot, because they talk about it all the time. That's true. All right, I hate, like I said, it's I my least say. favorite movie out of, the, out of the prequels. Yeah, so I would say, for me, favorite character is, is Obi-Wan. Like I feel like he's the most productive character in that whole in that whole movie. Like he's the only one that's actually like about doing action. Like he he sticks to like the the main thing throughout the whole movie. Like his whole purpose was, you know, starting off in the beginning, leading to, uh, you know, Garden Padme. Then they get to the assassin. Then he gets to Jango Fett. Then he gets to Kamina. Then he gets to the clones. Then he gets to Jango Fett and Count Dooku. Like then, I mean, he's he's steadily like working. And Anakin, who goes to my least favorite um, person in this whole movie, is, is nothing but... I, I We've already listed the reasons why we can't stand him. Like, he's just a weird dude. He doesn't follow directions. Like, he doesn't live up to that, at this point in the movie at least. Like, he's not living up to that Jedi lifestyle. Like, he's not following their creeds and everything that they do. Like, he literally is just like a rebel and does what he wants, which is goes in part with how he turns out, but... Um, and I would also like to put in there for an honorable mention of people that I, I didn't care for in this episode was Yoda. And I know you guys are making faces like, hmm, like I just don't understand how somebody as the leader of the Jedi Council does not go, hey, Anakin, you need to get it together. Like they, they you know, Anakin was supposed to stay on the boo guarding her and they leave. And he never is like, hey, you were directly disobedient to us. Like, I don't know if you can take away someone's Jedi status but Anakin should have been on some sort of... I mean, this is his first mission by himself, and he botches it. I, I'm sorry, Chris. I have to interrupt you for just a second. The, you're also talking about the same Yoda who didn't raise an eyebrow about the fact that Sifo-Dyas had secretly created this clone I, army on behalf, of the Jedi, on, on behalf of the Jedi Council in the first place, and he... I, I guess we're led to believe at the end of this film that he didn't know anything about it, even though he's supposed to be like the leader but of this council. And I would, do we know though on, on that same thing, 
like, do we know that it was for sure him? Because they had no clue who any of these Jedi were. Okay. Like, so how, how do will, we know that wasn't Dooku? I will no. I will clarify. Um, in the in the Clone Wars, the the animated series, they actually go in and they document when Sifo-Dyas goes to Kamino and he. Um, or I, I don't know for sure that he, you know, when he goes to Camino and he asks for them to create a clone army on behalf of the Jedi Council. But I do know that he does get caught by, uh, I believe it's Count Dooku, and he's in prison for like a, a good long while. And I think he goes mad or something like that. And I think he may turn the dark side or something like that. But but like this is all before he supposedly meets his end. And so if the question is. Did this Sifo-Dyas character actually exist? Yes, he is canon. He actually did exist. Oh, um, yeah, I was, don't think anyone's doubting that. But he was, was he captured? Dead? But this is, my, this is my, my thing, and I'll tell you the same thing that I told my brother because we had this exact same argument because okay. he says the Clone War fills in a lot of things that you don't see in the movies, and that's all fine and dandy. But the Clone Wars came out like 10 years or 8 or 9 years after that did. And that's just their attempt to fill in their own plot holes. You know what I mean? And so, there, it, you never see this Sifo-Dyas guy. You never see uh, Dooku interact with these people. So we don't know. All that we hear is Master Sifo-Dyas or whatever his name died 10 years ago. So how long have these – I mean they, these people have accelerated living um, or the, the, the clones have accelerated growth. How do we know that they're, these guys aren't – you know how they weren't manipulated or anything. I don't know. That's a different topic for if we ever cover the Clone Wars. I guess that we'll get into that. Oh, I was gonna say we could probably have a whole podcast about how, you know, the prequel trilogy ruins Yoda. That was my thought. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with you because I even remember having the uh, whole topic of like, man, Yoda, Yoda's kind of a lunatic in Episode uh, Four and Five. You know, when they meet Yoda, like he's all jumping around like an idiot and. Not the serious person he was 20 years before that. So. Well, so I gave it a, um, I'm giving it a five. Um, definitely, it's probably, like Ben said, my least favorite part, but there are cool parts to it. Um, so I think if I did my math right, that gives us an average of like a 4.6. Which is lower than what we got last week, thanks to Ben's two. Um, I have not watched the Clone Wars. I have watched the other two. That's how much I don't like the movie. Recently. Okay. I've, I mean, I've seen them all. But recently, I have not watched. Because I was just like, I know I can't... If I had watched it, I would have been talking for the last three hours, nonstop. And why you can't stand it. <laughs> so... We've talked about it a lot. We've had some good moments. We've had some bad moments. We're coming to our end of our night. Ben, Nick, I would ask Matt this, but he obviously couldn't make it. So, Ben, Nick, do you have anything else you want to bring up before we shut this down? All right, that's what I thought. There's nothing else to bring up because the movie sucks. Well, that's going to end our. Uh, that's going to end this episode of MCMI, and uh, join us next week. See ya.